even happening? Is it is it real? Are we on? Are we live? I think so. I can hear your phone notifications. This is <laughs> so much. You know what? I don't understand how this radio thing works. Like, is it? I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely not. Hey, what a wonderful <laughs> world it is. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to It's Our Turn. Queers, Queers in Cults. Oh, we're in sync today. I feel it. I feel it. It's ooh, Here we are. Here we are, all in sync and everything. Um, welcome to the show, everyone. This is a, sh a uh, show where we talk about our experiences as queer people in toxic religious environments. And before we jump into the show, we've got a couple things to read real fast. And we're going to find those things right now so that we can read them because we're super on top of everything. And yep. um, we're very professional. Oh, that's not right. Um, here we go. Got it. <laughs> do you? I do. <laughs> second to load okay here we go all righty everybody we would like to acknowledge the original inhabitants of this area the weot tribe we honor the land itself and thank the past present and future stewards of this land this land acknowledgement does not exist in the past tense colonialism is a current ongoing process and we need to build our mindfulness of our present participation we all should take action to support our local indigenous communities Go to honortax.org to find out more about whose land you're on and how you can support those tribes. In this show, we talk about religious and personal trauma. Our episodes often include subjects catering around manipulation, gaslighting, coercion, toxic masculinity, patriarchy, shame, guilt, brainwashing, emotional, mental, and physical abuse. If any of these topics are things you don't want to hear today, please feel free to skip this episode. Your mental health is always the top priority. So this month we're talking about health yes, and we do. how yeah. health is affected by uh, religion or like what, how it's defined by religion. Yeah. And so, so this week we're talking about mental health. Mental health. Yeah. Which and is pretty broad. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking this morning about how we've kind of, I feel like talked about how health, you know, because the last two weeks have been physical health and emotional health, and mm -hmm. we talked really good. I th we we talk real good. We talk we, real good. <laughs> I feel like we've um, discussed well about how a lot of those those topics intersect, how religion and health intersects. Mm -hmm. But I feel like when it comes to mental health, religion, trauma. Um, and like ourselves and and our oh we haven't introduced ourselves speaking of ourselves <laughs> jesus okay we'll do that in a second okay um our religion trauma and ourselves collide they don't really intersect when it comes to mental health i feel like those three things collide and and kind of uh clash they can clash a lot yeah so i think that's going to be a really interesting conversation today yeah i think it's going to be a lot of bleeding over into emotional because mental and emotional are so so Honestly, related. understandably so, they are talked about as the same thing because they are so closely affected by each yeah. other. And they're two sides of the same coin. Really, really, mm -hmm. really they are. Which, by the way, um, let's just do this really quick. My name is Emerson. My pronouns are he, they. 
My name is Aiden, and my pronouns are they, them. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Got that. Got that said. Check. Now I can edit that. Yeah, check. Exactly. I can edit that one in the podcast. Speaking of podcasts, we have a podcast. All of our episodes are uploaded, 14 of them. Where? Um, <laughs> where might one find those podcasts? How can you speak I listen? <laughs> um, we're on Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, and also Podbean. And you can find all of our episodes right there. Right there. And you can follow us on Instagram at It's Our Turn Pod. And you can email us at It's Our Turn Pod at gmail.com if you have any comments, suggestions, or you just would like to communicate with us. God, we're so official. I know. Look at us go. It's like we're professional. <laughs> it's so funny because last week I was editing the episode and I heard you at the end of the episode say, yeah, oh, if you just like c- connect with us, if you want advice. And I was like, oh, fuck no. Don't ask us for advice. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I take that back. I didn't even hear it. See, okay, but there's like, there's something about offering what you don't even know you can't give yeah that's a that's (laughs) an element to emotional and mental health um so yeah mental health is going to be a very broad broad thing sorry i just got a a text um from uh one of our one of the hosts of this on uh, the mother tucker the host of mother tucker was saying that you know (laughs) they just text into the radio phone and said uninterested i love you (laughs) 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 because they said we are uninterested in your feedback (laughs) yes negative feedback yes yeah hi tucker thanks for listening we love you yeah yeah Um, thanks for being here so mental health this is i I, like so i actually wrote down a couple like I, i i wrote down a couple like topics things that like 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 yes. points that we can hit because I, it was one of those the more I thought about it the more it branched out and the more those branched out the more it branched out and I was like I don't even know how I'm going to be able to like bring it down into something that's like a tangible topic and I'm so glad that you've thought about this because I'm just like winging it like I've had zero <laughs> forethought I've had I a mean, lot of caffeine this morning so I've thought about basically everything in the universe I don't know I still have whatever anyway so what what, sure. what points do you have so I wanted to talk about mental health within the religious structure. So how, like how uh, religion values mental health or how it doesn't value mental health, um, what mental health kind of looks like to a toxic religious environment. Because often like being close to God is considered being mentally healthy. Um, right. Being able to pray for long periods of time is considered mentally healthy. So what it looks like in the structure of religion, also like the part, like if we can hit a couple points of like the specific damages that toxic religion does for mental health, as opposed to just like, yeah, mental health is really toxic. I mean, mental health, mental health is good. Uh, Toxic (laughs) religion is just toxic and it's really bad for mental health. Yes. Again, overarching subject that many people understand, but what are the the specifics that we experience, you know? Yeah. And then also the, um, you know, the, the intersection or slash collision of queerness in the religious structure and mental health related to that. Um, and then, and then also the long-term effects in care. So like, like for, you know, for me, a long-term effect of, of my toxic religious experience is, you know, CPTSD. Yeah. Um, yeah. P- you know, PTSD in general is often a long-term effect. That's something that I'm going to live with for the rest of my life. Um, and then also the, like what kind of care, um, what kind of care am I doing and have we done? So I think those are really good, uh, really good points that we could hit, I feel like. And 
you will need to repeat them because that they are a lot, but each one is a lot. You know, I know. I don't know how we're going to cover all of them in today. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. Okay, so let's just like let's stay a little focused. Yeah. So what what's the first one again? <laughs> focused us? Not impossible. Okay, let's try, try, be gentle to ourselves. But let's try to be a little bit. I, I can't be gentle. Uh, <laughs> mental health within the religious structure. What does that? look like what did what were your experiences my experiences with what mental health was uh portrayed as and then also what how was it not portrayed or uh you know like for me growing up mental health you know psychologists psychiatrists therapists were often viewed as uh, tools for the enemy to uh, oh wow yeah, like therapy like if you had to go to therapy wow um, then you weren't trusting God enough. It was like, oh, sure, you can go to therapy if that, but you could just pray instead, you know? And if you prayed more, then God would help you. Like, therapy was very much frowned upon in, yeah. in my religious structure. Yeah. <laughs> and and then also, like, what mental health was, and what, for me, when I think of what mental health was portrayed as, it was, there were practices like praying for long periods of time, doing your your devotions in the morning, which included Bible reading and, and a certain amount of prayer. And the longer you did mm -hmm. devotions, the closer you were to God, the better you were. And that would make you mental, mentally healthy, you know, um, yeah. <coughs> things like fasting and working at the church and being connected in the church services when the quote unquote spirit was moving, which we talked about in a, in a yeah, previous yeah. episode. All of those things were indicators of mental health in our, like it, all of those things were, uh, portrayed to be indicators of mental health when in fact they were probably quite the opposite, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because things like, so for example, things like doing your devotions in the morning, it was kind of more, at least for my perception, it was more celebrated. You were more celebrated if you like skipped breakfast to read your Bible and pray, you know, like that was more, yeah. like you were closer yeah. to God for that. That's a horrible mental health thing to do, to skip yeah. to skip a meal at first thing in the morning. Like, like Yeah, not, <laughs> not supplying your body with what it needs to survive is a real quick road to not having what you need to like think and function. Like if you're not drinking water, what are you going to be thinking about? You need some fucking water. Well, and your brain can't function. Your brain can't function without food. Yeah, there's, I feel like, I maybe it isn't as common knowledge, but the hierarchy of needs. If you're not fed, you are not capable of thinking about what the purpose of life is. Totally. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, if you're not fed, if your brain doesn't have the, the, the fuel to operate on, what are you, like, what can you do? What can, like, you can't. You know, you can't like be healthy if your needs aren't met. You and know? that's why there are like, I don't, that's why there are programs to feed children that maybe come from households that can't mm -hmm. afford to give them food because they can't focus on school. They don't give a shit about yeah. division if they are fucking hungry. Well, yeah, I, there's a, I don't remember what the saying is exactly, but there's, there's a concept in like, um, in <clears throat> just in proper care in general that like, um, meet the like meet the immediate needs first so it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if someone is having all of these other issues if they don't have food that's primary that's primary focus like get them get yep. them food get them water that's what they need like it doesn't matter what else is going on in their lives 
nothing can be dealt with if they're if they're hungry. Yeah, yeah. And people are hungry, and so so that was like promoted though. That was yeah. suggested. That was, was praised. Yeah, like it was like making sacrifices that would directly affect your mental health, but doing it for Jesus was really celebrated. Oh, and I remember thinking that if it came down to like eating breakfast or doing my devotion, if I woke up and only had an hour. I did devote, I would want, I should do devotions instead of eat breakfast, you know, like that. Yeah. Was, yeah. And it, and it was just, I mean, waking up an hour early. I remember for a long time waking up an hour early every morning to do my devotions and which was just really detrimental for me. Like I'm not a morning person. And so it's like mornings are really difficult. It's difficult for me to wake up in the morning. I'm not very happy in the morning. It takes me a long time to operate in the morning. Like I'm a slow I'm like a slow morning person. Like, I, you know, anything that would take someone else an hour would take takes me too because I just don't move fast. Yeah, and that's okay. yeah. I've learned to just adjust gotta, for that. Yeah, you just need a little bit more warming up time. Yeah. Yeah. But then forcing myself to wake up at like six o'clock in the morning so I can spend an hour with Jesus was miserable. And to be clear, devotions are like Bible study, praying. Reading the Bible like and praying. Yeah. Hard like not passive things like no, you are like not just like oh i'm gonna sharp. think about jesus while i'm making my coffee or doing my hair no it was like it you had to be sitting and reading and praying like at that time and un- wow. only doing that and at it was, six in the morning and it was also like it was also kind of like you know how they you know they say like exercise is good any time of the day but it's better in the mornings oh that was um, oh, that true yeah because like you you like extra like physical exercises is I've been told by people that um, that it's better in the morning because you burn like thirty percent more fat if you exercise in the morning because you don't have the food that you ate of the day. No shit. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm writing that down. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't fucking matter to me. I don't exercise at any time of the day. So, <laughs> um, but I've been told that that was. But that's kind of how devotions were. It's like, yeah, you can do devotions anytime during the day, but like giving Jesus the first part of your day is like the best sacrifice. So that's kind that's of what, a lot. It's a fucking lot. And that's the kind of like what I'm talking about when I say my experience with how mental health was portrayed. Yeah. In relation to the, you know, religious structure. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, in both situations, very much in mine, it just simply was absent. There yes. was not mm-hmm. a single word talked about. I mean, health, physical. Sure. There was there was a little discussion about it you know like your body is a temple kind of spin yeah so take care of it but um as far as mental health goes no one talked about it it did not exist there was no there was no talk of internal dialogue other than jesus can or whatever god can hear your thoughts and is Mm -hmm. judging you every single second that was talked about but it, it wasn't ever something that you had control over that you had an influence on which is having a control over um it it, it just wasn't it, i don't know it just it was it just not wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. it wasn't and in that in that absence in that void there is so much room for feeling wrong there is yeah. so much room for feeling out of place for feeling isolated no one else is thinking this no one else is experiencing these crazy thoughts and especially going through a time like puberty and i know that's like an easy go but you, it's this like transition period of being a child you have these like raw emotions oh yeah but you are 
beginning to see the perspective of maturity. You're beginning to experience having to take care of your needs, physical needs that are not negotiable often. Absolutely. (laughs) Unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But that they are often spun as dirty or that you shouldn't have them or like and maybe that's what mental health was is that taking care of yourself yourself you shouldn't have to do that yeah because if you are if you're fully committed to god to jesus if you're fully actually you know serving him yeah and, and all that then then you will be fine you'll be taken care of he will take care of you right and if not that like know. for example you can eat how you want but god will determine if you get I don't know. Cancer. Cancer get, yeah. or like mm-hmm. it like if you get I don't know. If you have any like dietary issue like grout or Oh, okay. Um interesting. I don't know. I don't I don't know. But just like No, I see what you're saying that like you have control over what you do with your body, but God has the ultimate say so in, in the the consequences or repercussions or Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's so yeah, but yeah, you were gonna say something before I started talking. Was I? I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, don't remember. So yeah, the, but just that like <laughs> absence, but also like oh, I do amp- remember what I was going to say. Sorry. Great, great. Um, but I don't want to. Okay, you know I'll the talk. absence <laughs> of mental health. Oh my god, the absence of mental health making it so much bigger and like yes, darker and like scarier than it actually is. And also in relation to that, children, children are are pure and impulsive when it comes to emotions. They have the emotions and they have them uninhibited. And so, you know, if like, if you aren't, if no one is teaching you about mental health, they're just going to, you know, uninhibited dive into those emotions headfirst with no kind of instruction on, you know, it's like being thrown into a pool and not knowing how to swim. You're going to, you know, like it's. What do you expect? Yeah. It's (laughs) like, they're like, it, 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 it's often like, and also yeah thoughts okay yeah so it's they're they're going to go into these emotions and these these new discoveries about themselves full force with no guidance no nothing no help no assistance and then also at least for me when there's a lack of education or there's a lack of of guidance then i default to negative Mm -hmm. I would default to bad in the sense that like if you don't tell me it's okay I'm going to assume it's not okay yes if you don't yes if you don't say this is positive I'm going to assume it's negative that's my default and so then they you know like when you're talking about going through puberty these you know people go kids go through puberty they go through all of these where not only are their emotions pure and uninhibited they are now heightened Yep. to as pretty much as extreme as they can possibly be. Yeah. And then no one to tell them that that's okay. So then you are in this structure where everything's bad. So obviously those are bad as well. And that just compounds everything. Yeah. And you yeah. add queerness into that and it's just fucked. <laughs> oh, I mean, okay. So puberty, very high for a lot of people, not everyone, but f- it is often a very high hormonal time yes. for folks. And that comes with a lot of sexuality. Mm-hmm. And with that comes a lot of sexual identity. Yes. And if you aren't told that having sexual feelings for different bodies or just different people, and 
yeah, you're going to get the impression that it is flat out wrong. Like everything mm-hmm. about having sexuality, acting upon it, um, like fantasies that you have, like all yeah. of this, all, all of, of this it. stuff all is of it. proclaimed as wrong. And if it's not overtly, overtly, yeah, yeah. explicitly, yes. both of those proclaimed as wrong you're not seeing it anywhere typically you're not seeing you know queer couples in the church yep there's no pride flags <laughs> there's no nothing it's not talked about you it kids aren't stupid right they're not they, they can they can they can um, make uh, assumptions based on their surroundings so they're if they don't see something existing in their life they're going to assume that that it's not supposed to exist yeah so you don't have to explicitly tell a queer kid that being queer is wrong if their entire life is surrounded by anything and everything but that and no one ever tells them that that's something that can happen you know yep I often talk about how people ask me what my coming out story was my coming out experience was and I say I don't I said I say that I didn't my coming out wasn't realizing that it was um, realizing that I was gay it was realizing that being gay was that was okay it was fine because it was never talked about ever like like uh, we were uh, and i'm i think i may have mentioned this in my story when i told my story initially but we were raised to believe that homosexuality wasn't real like that was kind of how it was portrayed to us that homosexuality was like we the so the cons jesus being all powerful there was nothing that he couldn't do so addiction Mm -hmm. um wasn't real it was if people were addicted to something if they just prayed long enough jesus would take away the addiction and homosexuality was lumped into the addiction category because it was impulses that um that satan would use to lure people away from god so it was just lumped into that category of addiction and the only type of addiction that ever existed was alcohol, cigarettes, and homosexuality. <laughs> like, that was it. That was, like, the only, you know. How funny. Drugs and alcohol, cigarettes. Cigarettes was so prominent. It was, like, cigarettes to me as a child was, to me as a Christian kid, was what quicksand was to children everywhere else. You think it's going to be a much, much bigger issue than it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. the, like I, I don't know if you experienced that, but as a kid, I thought quicksand was going to be everywhere in my life. Like, it was just like, you saw it on cartoons, everyone talked, like, it was just, quicksand was this big issue. Yeah, now that, now that you're talking right? about this, right? I'm like, you're right, I did hold that belief at some point. Quicksand was very scary to me as a child. <laughs> yeah, it just like sucks you up. Yeah, I just thought it was going to be everywhere. And that's, uh, that's how cigarettes were. It was like, Thanks, drug and Princess alcohol. Bride. I know. <laughs> Exactly. Just like um, goodbye. And like every Wiley e. Coyote cartoon ever. Yeah. Um uh so it was that and so it was just lumped into this that like when you prayed long enough like that though like homosexuality would just dissipate. It would go away. And so and it was also just kind of one of those things that was homosexuality is so obviously wrong that there's no need to teach on it because we all know it's like yeah. it's just Obviously, it's bad. You yeah. know, like there's murder, there's homosexuality. We don't need to talk about those. It goes because, without yeah, saying. Yeah. It goes without saying. And uh, and so that point that I'm making with all of that is that I was never taught that homosexuality was wrong. I just was, it was implied that everyone knew that it wasn't something that was real. It just wasn't real. Yeah. It just yeah. wasn't even like, I, I, it wasn't until I was almost 30 that I was like, oh, wait. 
they're the ones with the problem, not me. Mm-hmm. You know, even after coming out of the church a little bit, stepping away from the church a little bit, I still thought it was like not ideal, you know, like Yeah, yeah. Well and and that just, you know, that goes to show with the things stay with you though you have physically removed yourself from the church in that setting. And I think that that is a great segue into the damages due to religion. Oh. (laughs) Our next our next little thing that I wrote down. Oh no the yeah, the second or another question or point, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like the long, like the well, that's kind of more closely to the long term effects, but it's a really good way to segue into like the like specific damages that um, mental health, specifically how it damages mental health in the religious structure. Yeah. So, I mean, in my experience, the damage is done to my mental health. I mean, it's so hard to like. Yeah, it literally affects one of five hundred every yeah. moment of my day. Yes, the, a, a big, 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 big thing that has been coming up recently that I think, whatever it falls under mental health, is decision making. Mm-hmm. I struggle so hard with making decisions. Like I. For example, I was doing a card reading and I fanned out the cards in front of me and even picking a card, I was like, I'm determining what information I'm going to get. Mm -hmm. Like I am literally choosing my entire future right now. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. because there's so much weight put on everything. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, if you look at Mormonism, they have a pretty good script to follow. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty secure train track oh, that you are on yes you are often determined by gender and i feel like i've gone through this shindig before but like you either way you are born you have specific roles you have milestones that you stick with in the church and then you know after you turn 18 you get married i don't know there was some like 17 and 16 year old marriages i heard of anyway you get married, you fulfill that role, whatever your role is, which is very like determined and only two options. Yeah. Um, you have a family, you live like you are 60 when you are 20 mm-hmm. and do that for 40 years. And then eventually you will have so much money that you will be able to work for the church and will retire. And you know, the cycle goes on. Yeah. And it's pretty cushy. Like, yeah. you know exactly what is expected of you. And it's yeah. way too much, given. But but you don't need to think about it. Yeah. You have very little choice in what happens. And yeah. so growing up in that, I had very little choice about, and it, and it, about anything. And once I left the church, I started making decisions like I wanted to go to school here in this specific place yeah i wanted to major in this thing because i have a passion in it because i know that that's my preference yeah and so it's like little little things yeah it, it, but Think, it builds yeah, up it does even like what you're mm-hmm. having for dinner like yes every absolutely. every decision mm-hmm. is really difficult and so just like trying to rebuild my formula mm-hmm. of narrowing down decisions if that's what's easier for me or just like going with my gut and like not allowing myself to stutter and then like 
overthink and cycle down, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, that's that, I would say, is, like, one of the biggest damages that religion inflicted on my mental health. That's very relatable to me because I experienced, I think, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but there was very much a hierarchy of um, the st- a hierarchy structure in, in, in my experience. And it was like, it was you, the per you were at the bottom. <laughs> and then above that <coughs> was your parents. And then above that was the pastor. And then above that was God. Right. And so you kind of like every single decision you made, you know, like you had to kind of, your parents had to approve. And then if they approved, the pastor had to approve. And then if the pastor approved, then God probably approved, you know? Right. So you, and you needed the approval of all of those people to do anything. And it wasn't quite this intense um, for our, it was pretty, it was pretty close. It was actually pretty close to this. We would ask our pastor for everything when we wanted to buy a car, when we wanted to, um, you know, when we wanted to go on a date with someone, when we wanted to do anything, anything, a lot of autonomy. No. And it was even, there was another church also here locally. It was a, um, it's a United Pentecostal. We were Pentecostal. They're United Pentecostal. There was some subtle differences mm. in our um, belief system, but it was that, like we might as well have been on different planets. Uh, they weren't like ev- you had to clear everything through the pastor there. Everything, especially the women, of course, had to ask the pastor's permission to do anything. literally anything and everything. Yeah. Is it down to like haircuts? They didn't cut their hair. They weren't allowed to cut their hair. We weren't allowed to cut our hair either. I mean, the women weren't. Uh, of course, the, I'm sure toward, men had to have short hair. Yes, obviously. Yeah. Um, it was a shame for men to have long hair. That was one of the <laughs> scriptures. But towards the end, or like towards the end, or a bad pastor, haircuts weren't as important, nor was hair color. But, but, but it, for most of my, like haircuts weren't as bad. But short haircuts for women were just not acceptable. Obviously. <clears throat> yeah, long hair had to had to be long hair. It's um, so funny. Hair is so such a tool it's so again it's kind of like quicksand such an important thing in the christian religion hair was like the thing in the christian religion like because aesthetics well there's a scripture in the bible that says that a woman's glory is her hair and so they yeah i didn't know that yeah there's a scripture in the bible and um that talks about the a woman's glory being her hair and so long hair that's that was the scripture that the upc church used to to say that you couldn't cut your hair. Um, so this hierarchy of this hierarchy uh, made it kind of the, you know, the word that was coming to my mind when you were talking, is very paralyzing. Like it, mm-hmm. like it's very paralyzing yeah. for decision-making um, to this day. I have a hard time making decisions to this day when I want to buy something for myself or buy a new car. A car is a great example. Cause um, even just buying things that I use, a laptop or, or whatever, mm-hmm. I have this fear of, um, uh, you know, another good example. I still, I, this was only recently. I'm kind of. Well, finish finish the first example. It, this is part of the first okay, example. Okay, 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 it's okay. just a better one because okay. it's actually something I can remember and and, re- and like use a current example. Okay, okay, great. But the f- uh, phones, I'm like, I'm a, I have a weird thing with phones. I get a new one every six months and because I'm obsessed with them. And uh, up until recently, when I would get a new phone, particularly between switching from like an Android to an iPhone, this sounds irrelevant, but it's, 
I have a point. <laughs> you know, the whole iMessages thing, if it's the person has an iPhone, it's blue. If the person ha- it doesn't, it's green messages, you know? Nope, but that's also really cool information. Uh, you don't. We're, we're going to talk about this on the break. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not know? I Do avoid you know? technology knowledge in general. But it's technology knowledge that you currently have. I We digress. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to pull focus. You talk about you. Avoid. Avoid. Yeah. <laughs> redirect. Redirect. <laughs> um, so whenever I would get a different phone, if I would switch back to an iPhone... I felt like I had to, and I had so much anxiety around this. I felt like I had to explain to my mom and my sister specifically that I had gotten a new phone, why the iMessages have changed, why I decided to buy a new phone, what was my reasoning, what everything. I felt like interesting. I, I, and this was up until a couple of years ago. Like, and I'm wow. Uh, yeah, I've been out of the church for over a decade. I'm almost forty years old. I am full. I am full on adult. Like I mean, by age, by age, yes. full on adult by age. I still, it's still hard when I do some. When I get a different phone, it's still like I have to remind myself. You don't have to explain that to anyone. You don't have to. Explain you don't. It to anyone. You don't you have do to explain you want. a goddamn thing yeah. to anyone. But something as simple as like that. Yeah. As a phone, I felt like I had to explain to my family why I was doing this. And because that's how my life existed, you know, yeah. if I wanted anything, you had to explain to your parents and they had to approve. And then the, if, you know, then the pastor and then the, yeah, we didn't have, we didn't have autonomy. Yeah. We didn't have personal choice. We didn't have yeah. nothing like it was. And that just, that seems like not a big deal. Like, oh yeah. Once you grow up and you go out of the church, you realize you can do whatever the fuck you want. No, you don't. You don't. You don't realize you can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. You leave. And you and some people, you know, it's not uncommon for people to leave the church and to, you know, backslide. Did you ever heard that term? Have you ever heard that term backslide? Ooh, this is a. No. Yeah, that was a term what we would use for people who got saved and then walked away from the church. They back, they had backslidden. They'd fallen backwards. No, they. I just don't think we ever talked about those people. They were just, they were just beyond help. If they yeah. were Mormon and they reclaimed it, they were just, I mean, they did the worst sin possible which was if you have knowledge and if you had knowledge and faith of the mormon religion and then you say that it is untrue that is if you even have the thought that it is untrue you are going to the lowest level of heaven which in mormon jargon there's like six levels of heaven in there. there we didn't even have levels it was either heaven or hell that was it those were your only two choices i mean that's kind of nice it's just simple except for the fact you have far less opportunity <laughs> at least you could go to level one through seven i mean yeah yeah that's that's true it's just like if we're talking i mean we didn't really have a choice in where we went other yeah, than like what we did here in this yeah. life but so you know we're not so talking about choice right now on that topic also people who backslid we were taught that every time you backslid so every time you came to jesus mm-hmm. and then walked away and then came back every time you walked away it was harder and harder to come back sevenfold every time you left and came back it was seven times harder to come back to god every time you left we were taught that also which was just manipulation that's pretty cool to like quantify everyone's feelings in one neat well, little phrase. Seven was the number of the perfect number of God. Dude, so. there's so many symbolic numbers. Yeah. 
Don't get me started on numerology. Yeah, we can't. We, literally I could a different go podcast. In. Yeah. Yeah. But so, so again, manipulation, trying to like scare people into never leaving because it was every time you left, if you decided you, if you realized you made a mistake, it was going to be seven times harder to come back. And that fucking fucks up your mental health. That fear, you you know, it's, it's, you're afraid. You're afraid to leave. You're afraid to, um, walk away because you think that God's going to make it seven times harder. Yeah. Or not God. It was Satan, obviously. Um, obviously quote unquote, make it seven times harder to come back. And that stays with you as well. Those kinds of, those kinds Interesting. of, that's the kind of like those nuances mm-hmm. of like the little things like, yes, we understand the concept of people, you know, church hating gays. We understand the concept of misogyny, um, in the religious structure. We, did you, you need to say something? I do, but finish your thought. Okay. We understand, um, um, we understand a lot of, you know, a lot of these overarching, but it's these little day-to-day nuances, being afraid to make your own decisions, being afraid to say anything about God, being afraid to have thoughts that aren't, like, these things are the things that really fuck you up long-term. What were you going to say? It's your turn now. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded really controlling, and I'm sorry, that's not what I meant it. What I was going to say, I didn't take that as controlling. I was, I was exposing us to some silence for a second okay and okay. getting us more comfortable with silence <laughs> never gonna happen <laughs> never gonna happen <laughs> we're doing a podcast we can't be comfortable with silence we're supposed to talk anyways anyway um <laughs> what i was going to say is that in all I, I mean it's themed like i'm just i got this theme where like the small teeny tiny quote-unquote rules or like details are the things that fuck you up for example i mean for like a comparison i have a family member living in europe right now and so for the phone plan we got this international phone plan long story short we didn't know until recently and we've had this phone plan for a long time that if you talk for longer, so it has a set amount of minutes that you have mm-hmm. that's included in the plan. So, and if you talk for more than an hour, the cost of each minute goes up. But we didn't okay. fucking know that four months in. Oh. And so, you know, we would have conversations two, sometimes three hours long. Of yeah. Because we're family and we talk to each other. Yeah. And, but it's like that kind of detail oh, fucked I see. us like the fine over. Print. Yeah. Yeah, that like that fine print is the one that that little that that small minor cost change yeah. fucked you up big time. Yeah, because it compounds. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. and so it's like, yeah, la la la. This is a like homosexuality is bad. Blah blah blah. But also like, I don't even. I can't, can't even think, think of the fine it. print. You can't think about it. Don't think about it. God knows all your thoughts. These little like you know. Yeah. Don't, don't buy a shirt without talking to your pastor first. Don't. Yeah. All these little day to day things that are in the fine print that people just don't talk about because often they don't realize they they're fucked up in these in these nuanced ways until years I, later. I I did a, a a visual of this previously on this podcast of little hooks like being in yes. your back and yes. like saying homosexuality is bad is like an obvious big hook. Yes. It is a a big one that is like fear-based but mm-hmm. you know the smaller more subtle ones are 
that Jesus hears all your thoughts. Yeah. And it's so tiny and mm-hmm. it's such a pinprick and it's so it's so much discomfort, but you can't find it. Yes. You know, you don't unless know you, you find it. <laughs> it hurts and you know it's there. You just don't know where to pull it. You don't know where yeah. to pull that hook out. Yeah. And it's and it's also the the deeper level. So, you know, Jesus hears all your thoughts. Um and then also like don't make a decision without talking to your pastor. Like, don't make a decision without talking to your pastor. We can even understand that as a concept that's ludicrous, that mm-hmm, you don't need mm-hmm. the permission of your pastor to do things. But the underlying thing that really fucks you up is the, the it's the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's the concept that that's reinforcing, which is you are not capable of making your own decisions. You... Yeah are not worthy of having anything that you want. You are not a f- you are not capable. You are y- you are worthless. Those are the yep. underlying currents, the things that are run the water that's running underneath the surface. Oh you know, yes. that you're not do you no one's looking you in the face and saying you're not capable of making good decisions. They're saying, "Oh, run that by your pastor." You know what because I'm saying? you shouldn't make that decision because you just don't know enough to make that decision. Because, because uh, you are dust. You came from dust. You're not worth anything. God's the only thing that's important, and your pastor is the direct connection to God. And so, technically, you're not. You're just worthless, and you're not good. And to tie this back into mental health, that underlying current of you know, I'm not good enough, I shouldn't do this, like this and that, all those like silent thoughts that mm-hmm. stream through your mind when it comes to just health in general, like that not talking about it is that underlying current that you yes. shouldn't have it, that it that it's, I don't even know, like that, that anything is bad except yeah. when it's good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All things are all things are uh, negative by default, except for, unless we specify that they're good. Except the good ones. Yep. And yep. then you and then you should have mental health, but otherwise, no, you yep. shouldn't have it. And if you yep. do, then you are a problem. Uh, and also, like, I, I don't, I don't think we have time to get into this particular topic, but, but, legitimate mental health issues, um, uh, depression, anxiety, even all the way to like, uh, everything, 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 everything. If it's a mental health issue, in general. There was it. There it wasn't always explicitly stated, but it was kind of implied that those were, you know, um, that those were a cause of like walking away from Jesus. You know, like it was mm. never directly said that somebody with a severe mental illness was. Um, I don't even want to name any because I don't want to do that yeah you know, but, yeah but it was implied that people that had kind of gone past that point of no return quote unquote yeah it was because they had like they were lost to the world like they would never be able to come back to jesus because they had so far gone into sin that they weren't able to come back when really what they needed was fucking proper medical care yeah and, yeah and a therapy and assistance and whatever services help. they needed they needed help but we just dismissed them because that that mental health isn't Mental health is something that Satan does, not Jesus. And I, I want to make this point, and then maybe we can take a break. Yeah, but I was going to suggest the same. Just not only in religions, but just how much of a stigma there is talking about mental health, period. Because in that, 
I mean, just in naming whatever mental, I don't even know what mental health like diagnoses you were talking about. But of course, my mind went to like the very disparaged, the very like quote unquote extreme. Yes. Yeah. Like totally. mental health mm-hmm. like diagnoses. And it's not even talking about that. There is still, and I'm not like calling you out or anything like that, no. but just like this topic is not talked about because it is talked about so negatively yeah. when it is talked about. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. We don't talk about it a lot because it's so, it's so shh. far out there. Yeah. Shh, we just don't. That's yeah. Not, yeah. We don't, we don't say those words. And in, in, in society yeah. mm-hmm. also like majorly, yeah. it is very, 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 yes. very, very new that we are talking about mental health in general in society. Mm-hmm. But those like green, like lime green is the is the like um the little ribbon color for mental health you know like know pink that. is the breast cancer which yeah. gendered yes ugh. yeah blue is the prostate cancer ugh. isn't that cool again um it's another podcast whatever it's another um, episode because we'll talk about it soon yeah yes <laughs> yes um, we will <laughs> so, so but yeah that like um fuck what was i saying that oh, the just, green, the yes. lime green is the color for mental mental health. And just that, that alone is incredible. That it is visual. Yeah. That we're seeing it mm-hmm. and that is starting the conversation. Yeah. And so I feel like all of these things are kind of stemming from that issue that it is just so poorly um talked about and it's really poorly understood and we're you know we're a very yeah. judgmental yeah. peoples <laughs> another example of how religion enforces so many things in society and society enforces so many things in religion and they shouldn't be so closely related but yet yep. they still fucking are for whatever yep. reason yep welcome back hey i love that song it's very inspiring it sounded when i was adding it to the playlist um I uh, I was like, oh, I like this song. I'm like, mm, this song ha- sounds like it has the potential to be very churchy or written by a Christian person. I'm going to go look that up first before I add it to our playlist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just to make sure. Yeah. Uh, something. I mean, uh, it's everywhere. There's a, uh, I don't know if I told you this. I don't think I've said it on my, I, I mean, maybe I have said it on air. I don't remember. Um, but there is a worship song, a church, a Christian song has made it onto secular radio. And I just, I heard it on Power 96.3 and I'm like, fuck, Ew. that's so ridiculous. Ew. It's n- not no, because like you. I personally hate Christianity, but like, why are we playing one religion songs on public radio? Like, why are we doing that? Why is it just fucking Christianity? So what, do you have another question? I sure do. How funny <laughs> that you ask. <laughs> so the next um, topic also, I just would like to say, not, I didn't intend to do this or brag on myself, but I do like this whole having topics thing. Yes. You should do it on a regular basis. Yes. Anyways, uh, the clashing, the, the coinciding of queerness and mental health and kind of the double, I would like to talk about the queerness and mental health in relation to religion but then also queerness and mental health in general and then also queerness and mental health post-religious experience because i feel like those are three very different categories Jeez, you know queerness in relation to religion how it was perceived how it was portrayed how it was um the you know the damages that we um that we uh are living with because of being queer in mm-hmm. you know so this mm-hmm. so we talked a lot about how damaging religion 
is to mental health in general. Um, but now I would like to add on the layer of what extra damage, <laughs> what, yeah, yeah. what, what um, additional damage was added on specifically because we were queer people and what that looked like and felt like for us. Yeah, that's a big one. It's a big one. So again, with the absence of, yes, it was very much just, I mean, of course it was talked about homosexuality being a sin yeah but it wasn't ever talked about too in depth because i feel like they were just trying to hide the fact that it exists in general i didn't know what a queer person was until i moved to southern california Mm -hmm. when i was 13 i didn't know inundated with them (laughs) i didn't know that that you could even have feelings for the same sex quote unquote like that it even happened that it even existed i didn't know that people felt that way i didn't know that there was a different way of living other than mormonism i just i was so deep in the bubble within mormonism but also like deeper within within Mm-hmm. in that part of the world. Yeah. Like it is isolation on type of isolation. If you're deep in a religion in like a backwoods area. Yes, yes, yes. yes. It's just like mm-hmm. there's nothing else outside of that world. Yep. Yep. I, there, absolutely. That it's it's like twice as isolated because it's not just the religion, it's the religion in the small town, which is exactly. similar to my experience where it was it yeah. was it was Pentecostalism, which is a, a like a smaller isolated religion and then in this in this tiny ass town mm-hmm. where there's not a ton of people either and it, it's just double isolation yeah and so that like not talking about it no visibility it just didn't exist and so like but you knew that if you did feel that way that it was bad yeah I, I, again unless it was good anything else was bad it, which is i think is really interesting I think we both had similar experiences in the sense that there were a lot of things that just weren't talked about because it was kind of implied. It was like, well, this obviously, obviously being gay. Obviously, bad. yeah. So then, how do we figure out it was bad if it wasn't really talked about? How did we understand that it was so as bad as it was? You know, like that—that—that's the power of to me. Yeah. Something I wanted to um, bring up, uh, also, along on this topic specifically. When it, the first therapist I ever had was horrible. They were awful. But the one thing that they did say that was good was the power of um, intermittent reinforcement. It's the strongest type of reinforcement. So they, the example they used was mm. that if you, if you, I think I may have talked about it before. If you, if your dad comes home every night at five, has two drinks, and then and then is mean and abusive to you, verbally abusive, you can dismiss that. Your brain recognizes a pattern and it dismisses that. It's not me. It's not my fault. Yeah. It's the alcohol's fault. This is the normal. This is the normal behavior. But if the same thing happens and there is no pattern, it's Mm. extremely um, potent and powerful reinforcement because you cannot recognize a pattern. So the common denominator is you. So if your dad says this, that you're worthless and your pastor says you're worthless or implies you're worthless. And then this partner, you know, implies you're worthless. And then your boss implies you're worthless. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. 
Um, or if, even if it's one person, but it's not on the same situation. They say you're worthless when they're drunk, but they also say you're worthless when you're sober. And they say it on Sunday, but they also say it on, you know, on vacations. Yeah. And yeah. It's that, yeah. like, that intermittent reinforcement in reinforcement is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that may be one of the reasons why we realized how extremely bad, like, we, I mean, we thought yeah. how it, it, extremely bad being queer was because it was that intermittent reinforcement. Our pastor said it once in a while. My dad said it once in a while. Yeah. Uh, some of the guys in the church would joke about how bad it was. And, you know, you were saying how, like, it could be a reference here, a reference there. It could be something as subtle as you hand your boss your work, they look over and don't say anything. But don't say anything positive yep. either. That could imply that you're worthless. Yep. That alone. That alone. Just that, that one thing. Yeah. And 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 the... I lost my train of thought. No, that we were talking about uh, 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 intermittent reinforcement and how like... Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how as you're... Like when you're a kid, you are like a... F- like you're a sponge and a filter like you see Mm -hmm. everything yeah and you put meaning to everything yes and so like we're talking about this now as like you hand over your work and your boss looks at it and makes whatever face and but as a child it could be something even smaller and it means so much more absolutely i watched a movie last night and it's something this simple but um, it was like a coming of age, like a teenage um, adolescent. And, you know, she had one of her friends and she talked about her friend to her mom. And her mom was like, that girl's strange and just mm. like moved on. Yeah. So subtle, spoke so loud. Yep. She absolutely. doubted herself in that moment. She doubted her choice in friends. She doubted if that friend was trustworthy. Like that and and it's that subtle it's yep. that tonal it's yep. it's all it takes unfortunately and to me i'm i'm asking myself the question why is that type of communication so potent well if you don't have a foundation of communication if you do not have an agreement if you have never if your parent has never taken a time to explain to you the difference between um, you know, positive enforcement and negative reinforcement or um, the difference between an opinion and a rule. And, you know, like, oh, yeah, truth ha- and opinion. Yes. That's a big difference. If you don't have this foundation of communication as well as a trust between you and the parent, you don't have any gauge for the severity of their comments. Yeah. You don't have any gauge for the severity of, um, of what of what they're communicating to you and also add to that for me specifically my the only emotion my dad did know was anger so i assumed everything yeah was uh, extreme yeah. and he was mad about everything and it didn't matter if he was making a joke or if he was or if he was saying something you know like i didn't know if my dad was saying something just nonchalant because everything was a big deal with him yeah so, yeah so you needed to be on very much on yeah. all of the time so it's you know it, it, though if you don't have that foundation set, then yeah, you're going to assume everything has the same severity, which is high. Yeah. <laughs> very, yeah. very, very intense severity. Yeah. And, and when looking at queerness in general, again, it's one of these topics that is starting to be talked about a lot more, but it is still very taboo for mm-hmm. a lot of circles of the world. Yeah. Um, but when we're talking about 
finding yourself as queer and fitting within that world. But then also like trying to not, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's just like the, 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 it is like an extra layer. So we've got religion and then we're not talking about mental health, but then we're also not talking about queerness and how wrong you already feel about having mental health, but then how wrong you feel about feeling any sort of queerness or like any sort of other, and you don't have the words to describe what you're feeling and you don't have any of like the knowledge that any of this is has happened before mm-hmm. that other people feel similar things that it's oh. not Satan whispering. I mean, that's like when I think about it, that's what gets gets me f- so fiery is that I was just lied to as a child. I was told that these feelings mean that the devil is inside of me. Like who the fuck tells a four year old yeah. that because they're throwing a tantrum I mean, I wasn't personally told this. I feel like I should clarify. But it was. But it is thing. often yeah. said that children who throw tantrums are have demons inside yes. of them. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Who are you? Yeah. Like, what century? Is this a witch trials? Yeah. Like, yeah. who are you? Yeah. yeah. We have, and the, and so, I feel like we have like suppressed so much of this mental health emotions. Mm-hmm. Um freedom of sexuality and gender identity like we have suppressed all of this for so long that we don't even know what it is anymore like we don't even know what a healthy human looks like anymore i certainly don't as soon as i think that um excuse me sorry i uh as soon as i think that i'm like coming up close on being like a a healthy person in in one way I realize that I I'm nowhere near that yeah I'm trying I'm working I'm not saying that I'm like you know but I like oh I've made so much progress in this area I'm like cool I've come from a negative 172 up to a negative 50 progress for sure I'm nowhere near what healthy looks like or even start to being healthy you know one thing I wanted to comment on that I thought was really important that may have been an, an extra layer in our experiences, which is the um, thinking that you're so not only do you think that do you are you is it communicated to you that being gay is really, 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 really bad. But also, as far as you know, you're the only person that's ever experienced it in your circle because so, you can't talk about it. No. I, and and for me, I was the only in my tiny ass world and my tiny ass church. I was the only person like me. For most of my life, I was the only person like me. And as far as I knew, I was the only person that dealt with any kind of, like, quote-unquote, homosexual tendencies. You know, like... (laughs) I was just fiddling with my pen and... (laughs) Just exploded. Exploded. Lovely. (laughs) So, that, that, like, like being queer, being queer in 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 an oppressive environment like that is, has its own set of intense struggles but if you can find other people like you school mm-hmm. is often a thing that where that happens you know you yep. see other people like you so you know you're not alone you just know what's wrong i was homeschooled from fourth grade on because that's the thing christian people do and isolation is a real good way yes and so i never the first time i saw a queer person was when i did theater in my 20s wow. like 
th- like that was the first time I ever remember seeing like that's the first time in my memory that I can think of ever seeing a a, a, a queer person like yeah. being exposed to that at all in any capacity. And it was strategic. It was very of much course. strategic. If you knew about it, it was. I mean, it's a slippery slope. If mm-hmm. you if you learn about something, it's in you learn about it. It's in your yeah. mind, and yeah. so like you can't unlearn it. Yeah. And so that's what I think the not talking about it, just like keeping it unknown, yes. just a secret silence, no conversation about it whatsoever. Because, yeah, being empowered by being different, that's a danger. That's a danger zone for them. Yep, for them. For them. It's, a, it's a, an extremely dangerous position for someone to be in to realize that they're empowered. Like yeah. That, you can't, like, that's why controlling of information is so important, especially in the Christian yeah. circles, is because they have to control what you know or else they can't control you, you know? Yep. And, it, you know, I think we've mentioned it before. It's like if they control your money and they control your information, you know, like those those two things, that they yep. control you, they control everything about you. And so that, um, so it's so interesting that we're talking about queerness in relation to Christianity and the thing that we've talked about the most is the lack of exposure. <laughs> yeah. You know, like like it, it's almost like huh. how, how do we talk about queerness in relation to our religious experiences because it wasn't a thing that existed. We just I, I know what we were we existed. Yeah. But I can't even I wouldn't even know how to define my opinion of queerness or my opinion of 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 my opinion, my opinion of queerness and myself in my in relation to religion, because it was just something that I suppressed and hated about myself my entire life, which yeah. is pretty cliche for lack of better terms. Or it's a universally understood experience yeah. for the most part that people, you know, being Christian and hating yourself or being gay is a universally understood experience for the most part. But um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, besides like just hating myself for it and the constant, the only other thing besides the lack of exposure that I would say for me specifically was the, the level of hatred, um, the level of hatred that I had for myself. I watch, um, something I was thinking about earlier when you're talking is when I watch, um, movies about, or I've seen, you know shorts or or videos or whatever about gay kids coming out to their parents in Christian environments or being in a Christian environment and Mm -hmm. at some point in their teenage years they tell them or or they're outed and there's this big huge blow up and 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 you know they're whatever happens and I I've watched those movies and all I can think is one that didn't happen for me Um, and two I would have never ever dreamed of admitting it ever never what I have yeah. dreamed of admitting it yeah and uh, I never that just wouldn't that wasn't my experience I just like kept hit, it to myself suppress, and suppressed hide. it and hit it mm-hmm. and then just inwardly despised myself for it and berated myself on a regular daily basis because it's who I am you yeah. know yeah it's a it's 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 not just something I do or people or someone I love it's absolutely who I am and the the hatred and the and the beration was daily. Yeah, like it was abs- moment by moment. It yep. was just another another how I moved, how I stood, how I everything, 
how yeah. I dressed, how I perceived the world. Every single thing obviously went through the filter of being queer because that's who I am. And so every single thing I did, every thought I had was another reason to hate myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's easy to like see. I mean, it's often used as a disparaging way at least in my experience, but like looking at yourself and watching how you operate and just, you know, ugh, such a gay or like, yeah, just mm-hmm. like, like, uh, how you walk is so gay or just mm-hmm. like anything, anything. Yeah, anything. You could literally pick anything, anything apart. And, and, and that's a, that's a, ah, we touched, we touched on this on like internal dialogue of like mental health is a big part of mental health is how you talk to yourself. Yes. And that also wasn't talked about how you talk to yourself. Like you talking to yourself is, has how it was taught was if you are talking to yourself or if you are having a discussion like internally that you are. And I know this like phrase is really triggering for some people, but like you are crazy. You are not normal. Again, using terms they use, not us. Their language, not ours. Yes. And, and you, you know, like, I don't know, is, but I, it, yes, I know, I, I, I can relate to what you're saying. Thank yeah. you. Thank mm-hmm. you. And where I want to go with this is like, that has been a crucial attribute to my healing mm-hmm. is realizing that talking to myself and how my internal thoughts go directed toward myself like how I comment on what I do because Mm -hmm. I do you comment you know like we narrate our lives in our heads that is normal but that wasn't talked about and so like the just the extreme any sort of mental health and you're wrong I feel like I'm repeating myself no 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 this is where I'm going okay I'm sorry I'm back on track so so realizing that talking to myself and like soothing myself is a big big thing in mental health yes and it and i learned that recently where how you talk to yourself and talking to yourself in general is not only good for you but fucking necessary it's a necessary part of recovery to any healing yes yeah healing recovery yes yes Um, in my my last therapist whom I loved and um, adored and she retired. Um, one of the things that we talked about was reparenting. Yes. Reparenting Holy is, shit. Yeah. So if you didn't get the things that you need from your parents, you reparent, you learn how to give those, like how to soothe yourself, how to talk to yourself, how to reparent mm-hmm. yourself. And um, that is a part of inner dialogue. That's a part of self-care. That's a part of how you talk to yourself because you do. But we were very much raised to believe that any voice that wasn't Jesus in our heads was the devil. We weren't, we didn't have independent thoughts. Our thoughts were either from Jesus or from Satan. There wasn't anything in between. And And that they came from somewhere. Our thoughts came from somewhere. Yeah. Like they're shot down a tube and you like. Or that we had control over them. I didn't think I had control over my thoughts. Oh, no, no. No, I didn't. And I also was like inherently responsible for every thought I had, which is also inaccurate. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. Okay. So we're literally told that we have no control over our thoughts, but also that we should be able to control our thoughts. We have no control over our what? thoughts except for the fact that you can only think good ones and anything else is, is Satan. But you don't have control over them, but oh you can God. control whether or not they're Jesus. Like, what? 
What? Yeah. Th- th- Talk about confusing. Constant contradiction. Yeah, constant contradiction. But if you ask questions, you are also... You're, you are bordering on heathenism. Yes. <laughs> yes. Literally. Yeah. yeah. You're letting Satan Man. talk to you if you have questions, if you question God. I think this is a really good, like, seg- again, like, segue into the last topic that I yeah. had, which is the long-term effects and then also long-term care. Um, Because I would really like to talk, I would really like to, you know, end our discussion on what we have learned to do for ourselves or steps that we have taken or things that we have done. Um, So, you know, talking about the long term effects, like what, what are we still dealing with because of these, these experiences? What are some of the things that we are still having to process through today and for me I, I don't think I genuinely and I don't I'm not even saying this sarcastically or um, or even as a joke I don't think we have the time for me to, to genuinely <laughs> express how much I'm going through because the list is very long you yeah know? yeah um, in sh- short answer is <laughs> <laughs> like CPTSD um, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, which just quick explanation, it's PTSD, but specifically, uh, like gen- usually specifically from childhood trauma and, and neglect and uh, uh, depression, anxiety. I've you know dealt with panic attacks. Um, I suffered you know, you know, a trigger warning in general. Like I've suffered from uh, suicide, suicidal ideation. Um, self-hatred lack of like a severe I was recently told uh, I was recently told by a professional that a lot they believe that a lot of my um, a lot of my struggles right now mental health struggles are are stemming from a severe lack of self-worth and and uh, I just recently got diagnosed also with OCD obsessive compulsive disorder which I've known my whole life but I'm almost 40 years old and finally got diagnosed with it so there's also there's which is another good point that I didn't even like think about earlier was that <clears throat> because mental health, oof, we've, we've got to talk about this. Yep. This is long-term effects too as well. But because mental health was never talked about and wasn't a real thing, not only are we dealing with the long-term effects, long-term effects of the trauma and the abuse that we suffered, we're also dealing with undiagnosed mental health issues like uh, OCD, ADHD, autism, OCD. None of these things were real in our lives. So right. they were never we were never taken to the doctor for assessments. We were never yep. taken to therapists or psychologists. So again, like I said, I'm almost 40 years old and I'm just now getting uh, diagnosed with OCD. OCD, if you like if you get a diagnosis for OCD, it's a you know, obsessive compulsive disorder. Just real quick interesting thing, there's a difference between a condition like a, a and a disorder. So like a lot of people deal with obsessive compulsions in a lot of um but the difference between you know like the difference between having anxiety and having anxiety disorder is if like the the difference is if if it inhibits your daily life if it makes like if it makes your life um yeah that if it inhibits um or greatly affects your daily life or makes you not being able to do certain things in your daily life that's a disorder as opposed to just um, like a condition and I'm not saying that as in lessening the importance I'm saying there's just a it's a difference it's just it's a, a depth 
yeah, it's a, a depth, depth it's a difference. And so being diagnosed, and the point, I'm making that point because being diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder, like that's a, that's a, uh, uh, a thing that needs treatment sometimes medication like it's a disorder Mm -hmm. and I'm almost 40 years old and just now getting that diagnosis like that greatly affected my childhood greatly affected my childhood um and in so many ways never once never once even talked about never once dealt with never once acknowledged admitted so like my long-term effects are like the effects I'm dealing with the trauma and also the undiagnosed issues that I that were never that were never um never paid attention to never prioritized that's what i'm looking for they're yeah. never prioritized so yeah it's and it's i don't know how to yeah. say this i don't know how to say this respectfully i'm i'm in this a lot of times when there's when i hear situations when i hear things like this i'm listening to a podcast of i you know mormons on mushrooms is a really great example where i listen to them talk about their experiences mm-hmm. and i automatically assume that they're coming from a place of i am now healthy i have learned all these lessons i am now you know a hundred percent my life is amazing and now i'm going to impart this knowledge i've learned to you and something that i want to just say in general is that that's not how it is like no. if you are if you have experienced this kind of trauma, and I'm trying to say this in very val- in a very validating way, if you've experienced this kind of trauma, it's with you. It's there. You're living it. It's part of your life. Like, validate yourself in what you went through. Like, give yourself permission to admit you experienced it. And yeah. give yourself permission to acknowledge that you're dealing with it every single day and that it's it's real and that it's really, really big <laughs> and that it's there, you know? And it's not something that you just get over. No. It's not something that you, uh, you know, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on this, like, idea of exorcism, that there is something <laughs> within you that just needs to be removed. And, yes. you know, you can define it however you want. I've heard it be called ego. I've heard it be called demon, saying whatever the fuck you want to yeah. call it. But I don't believe that there is anything that we need to remove from ourselves. I think that that we are capable of, you know, and maybe, I don't know, I feel like I'm digressing a little bit. But no, I get what, I agree. I agree that it's not, it's not a, um, an extraction. Yeah. Go yeah. to the doctor, get this medication and get rid of it. That's not how it works. Yeah, exactly. It's that you are, you are carrying it. You are, mm-hmm. it is with you. Yeah. It is inside of you. And, but you also have the control of your life. And you might not feel that and you might not believe that right now, but we aren't told that that we have as much choice as we do. And I, I know it's overwhelming a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but that's, that's, I think, something that is a long-term effect from, from my end is that can I, I'm sorry to interrupt. This is, I, I just want to clarify one thing. And yeah. I really do apologize for interrupting. When you said that we do have control over our lives, um, I just want to clarify that when we say that, we don't, we very much want to recognize that ableism is a really big thing. And yes. You, we, totally. We acknowledge you, not everyone has access to healthcare, not everyone has access to therapy, not everyone has access to, um, 
to uh, finances to be able to mm-hmm. pay to buy books or to um, do, not everyone has access to the internet. So when we say that you do have a choice, you do have a choice to validate yourself. You do have yes. a choice to acknowledge your existence and what you're going through. You have a choice to you know to to think well. You know you have a, you have a, you have those choices. Yeah, but. By no means are we saying like just go get better, go to a doctor, go do oh, something. No. You have you're in control of your life. So I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. Um, mostly for me. <laughs> yeah. Let's continue. I apologize. It's all good. Um, um I don't know. Um some other long term effects that, that I wrote down as you were talking is um a trigger warning. I also experienced a lot of like self-harm um i thought it was often my my body's fault of what was happening like the physiological Mm -hmm. um from a lot of like emotionally and mentally induced like getting to a high emotional state and then getting mad at my body for responding yes totally (laughs) appropriately um Uh, it's that's, funny how that works. The brain and the body—they're connected. Weird. What the? Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and and so like though that also like kind of spills into the internal thought like path and all of that. Um, the the self abuse that I experience, it is a struggle that I will live with for a very very long time, and it doesn't. I am still very much whole or like capable, but I it I visualize it like it's just another rock, you know, mm-hmm. like it's just it's just another rock that I will be carrying for a time. Maybe not my whole life, but it's yeah. just it's a it's an extra burden, an extra burden that yeah. I struggle with. Yeah. Um. A really big one that I, I, again, all of these things we still struggle with, but another big one is words, like verbalizing things, communicating. Mm -hmm. That was something that was deep, deep in, in this body of like, you do not say words, you do not communicate. And it's even like difficult to connect with people verbally because I feel so, so again not as disparaging as they are using this word but i feel so crazy because i have yes. so many thoughts yeah and mm-hmm. and not talking about it like there are different levels of isolation you can be isolated from like the public in that way but you can also be isolated from yourself in a lot of ways oh absolutely and and i think that isolation of just like n- not just indifference toward myself. I don't care. I didn't. I didn't care if I was hurting because I was hungry. I didn't yeah. care if I needed water. I didn't care if I had physical needs. I didn't ha- I didn't yeah. care if I had mental needs. So you're just extremely disconnected from your needs, your your yeah. even physical needs. Yeah. The yeah. the cues that my body are giving me and I'm I'm getting a lot better at like queuing into those things mm-hmm. but like there is a, absolutely a mode of communication between your body and your mind yeah you just have to one not directing i'm not calling y'all out but one just needs to tap into it and it's yeah. different for everyone bodies 
communicate with minds differently and yes, what, totally. what works for one person is not necessarily going to work for you and just because it doesn't work for you that doesn't mean you're wrong that doesn't mean yeah. anything it's just humans are so incredibly different and to think that there is one mode that works for us all yeah. or even like based on gender yeah totally. it's, it's not realistic that no. is not a realistic thing of of thinking that one thing will work for everyone. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that's that's the end of my spiel. Yeah. The last thing I, I do want to say is, in finding what is healthy for you, I I am I am calling to y'all to just like try really hard to not listen to those voices that say it's wrong. You know. Mm -hmm just for a second like glimpse what your self-care looks like and then tell yourself that that's okay yeah however you need to get through this day safely hopefully yes yes <laughs> take care of yourself like mm -hmm. and that that like the shaming that we get for taking care of ourselves i think yes. is a big a big weight as well the this concept a concept for me that I find very it's always presented very um, simply um, but to me is very complex yeah but the concept of like stating what you know is true in opposition to how you feel yeah so that's often for me I it's very difficult for me to know what's true uh, as opposed to how I feel for example mm -hmm. I deal with a lot of body dysmorphia and something that I've dealt with my whole life. So telling myself that I'm beautiful in opposition to how I feel is very challenging. Yeah. Very yeah. challenging. And, but it, that is what you have to do. And, and, and one of the ways that um, was taught to me to do that is to write down truths on like post-it notes mm. and put them everywhere in your house, on your mirror that you look in when you get ready in the morning on your door, on your front door, write notes to yourself of what is true, regardless of how you feel. Yeah. Like, I know that I'm beautiful, even though I never feel beautiful, or I know that I am, I have value, even though if I always, even if I feel worthless, just I have value. I am beautiful. Like, like the concept, learning how to acknowledge and accept what's true, regardless of how you feel about it is for me was a really great first step and also a step that I thought was the first step and actually it is all of the steps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all it of them one at once. through a million. It's all of them, yeah. And uh, that that uh, that has been a, a really helpful. And I I want, it's, it's about time for a break, but mm -hmm. one of the things that I also wanted to say before we kind of veer off this is that the, one last thing I want to say about PTSD with, and, and trauma in general is that, and also the reason that I want to bring education and validation about it to everyone that I possibly can is because PTSD is one of those things that, um, one, it, it uh, long-term trauma often um, has similar symptoms to a lot of different mental health issues, ADHD mm -hmm. being one of them, um, where it, it, it's, so it's not just like, oh, I, it's not just panic attacks or flashbacks or it's actually this like myriad of 
of so many, so many things that you can deal with, one or all of them, you mm -hmm. know? And there's a point with how trauma affects your brain that it does get to a certain point where it's more about management as opposed to healing. And the younger you recognize it and the younger you start um, dealing with it, um, the more likely you are to completely heal from it. And something I didn't know is that if you start therapy for trauma young enough before your brain's done developing, which is around 25 to 27, mm. if you start therapy before your brain's done developing, you can actually reverse the uh, symptom. You can reverse the effects. So, you know, because trauma yeah. paves neural pathways into our brain. And it changes your brain. It changes your brain structure. And right. if you start therapy early enough, you can actually repair those pathways and pave new ones and mm -hmm. or pave new ones. Yeah. So that's why it's so important for everyone to know, uh, for me, in my opinion, to, for everyone to know and validate themselves because it does. And even if you're past that point, but you start therapy at, you know, 25 and instead of for me, like in my 30s, that's you know, 10 more years you've gotten ahead you can, you're going to get 10 more years of healing like time does make a difference and so the the wherever you start and however you start if you start right now it's going to be you're going to it's going to be better for you you know in the long run yeah and and I, to clarify on something that i said as well that kind of builds upon that is that you have the choice of what is truth to you so like Oh, you, I like that. You might determine that you are beautiful, and that is a truth to you. Mm -hmm. And as long as you know that's a truth, that's all that matters. Your truth is the one that matters. Exactly. Yeah. And I so, love that. yeah. And so, like, your truth is that, well, I don't know. But, the, but, and also, the sooner you start could also, I mean, has been a big burden for me, you know, as far as like, I should have started ages oh, ago. Oh God, yes, you're so, and so that's so right. And yeah. so I don't. I know you're not saying that. No, I'm not. But I but, deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it's not like you should have started ages ago. No. It's that you're starting now. Look at you go. Like yes. you have brought yourself to this healing moment, mm -hmm. and it's freaking hard, yeah. and it is painful. But you are still here. Yeah. Look at you go. Yeah. Absolutely. Every day is an opportunity. It's not about what you should have done 10 years ago. It's about that today's a new opportunity. You yeah. can do it today. You can. Um, yeah, that, absolutely. So, so at this point of the show, what are we show, doing? What do we do? What's happening next? <laughs> at this point of the show, we like to do a thing called, and I'm, you know, I say this because when I'm editing, I say this, I realize I say this every single episode and I kind of like it. So I'm just going to say it again. Yes. At this point of the show, we like to do something that we call deep dive. We either pick a topic in the show that we, uh, that we wanted to, that we really want to visit and, and, and dive deeper into the meaning of it. Or most likely what we normally do is we do a tarot card reading. And just something to leave you with, some thoughts to, to leave you with on the show. So, yeah. Yeah. The, so, what card I pulled for us all yes. here today yes. is the Four of Wands. Oh, I like the wands, I think. Yeah. I like they uh, symbolize the active principle, initiative, energy, and will. Um, power and generative force, development, progress, work, new project projects and new initiatives mm -hmm. it's very like very masculine ones are is it 
Okay. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just gendered wands. Never mind. Um, I mean, there's a such thing as masculine <laughs> and feminine energy, just, if that's what it means to you, if that's the, you know. I guess you know. just the, like, um, the, like, projective out, like, the active. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, the four of wands is states celebrations, harmony, good relations with relatives and friends. Oh, so positive relations. That is. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to revisit a relation that you relationship you haven't, or maybe to appreciate one that you have. Yeah. That sounds um, lovely. On the since we have time. Okay. On the other side of the deck, because I like to look at it oh, sometimes, yeah. mm-hmm. is the Two of Swords. And so the swords indicate personality and intellect, authority, courage, struggle, defeat, and victory. This, this, this like, suit is so packed. Um, it also indicates the obstacles and problems of the querient... Querient? Querient. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's literally spelled... Like queer with one e, yeah, i e n t, yeah. querient. Anyway. I think it might actually be pronounced querent, but doesn't matter because I will always pronounce it querient. It is a querient, querient. now. Yep. Um. Uh. So the problems of the querient, which basically just means card reader or card yes, puller, person asking the question. Yeah. The um. Card. The problems that they will encounter along their path, pain, suffering, betrayals, difficulty, and illness. So the two of swords is on the next page. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, two of swords is doubts, lack of clarity, obscurity, suffering, and nightmares. My, my. My, my. Those are very opposite ends of the spectrum for... Which is kind of like the point of the whole like top of the deck, bottom of the deck kind of thing. Damn, that's so crazy. Okay, four of wands, celebrations, harmony, good relations, doubts, lack of clarity, obscurity, suffering, and nightmares. That is so polar opposite. I've never done like top of the deck, bottom of the deck. I've never done, I've never heard of that. That's really cool. I sometimes I take it as like future and past or mm, like mm-hmm. what I need and how I get it or like what my struggle is or like what I'm moving toward and like what is holding me back or what I need to look out for. Um, it's just, it's yeah. I, I like looking at the bottom cool. of the deck. I, think I like it's, it. Yeah. I love it. So however that uh, translates into yeah. your life, um, you, we were just talking about this before the podcast, but you find the meaning in things yes. that you want to, yeah, if you want absolutely. to find negative meaning if you want to find bad omens you're gonna see them but if you want to find good if you want to find good omens or if you're looking for you know the positive meanings you will find that too you yeah though not in a toxic positive way more is just that wonderful things exist in your world and they are they are there for you to discover whether or not you see them, there where, are good things in the world. Whether or not you see them, there are good things in the world. There's yes. that. That's yeah. a hard one for me because I'm a pessimist and I only see negative things. Again, it's it's a mental health thing. To- absolutely Some is. people are easier, easier come by positivity and others 
are easier come by negative. And yeah. if that made any freaking sense, totally. all the words no. were there just in a different order. No, I wasn't laughing at that. I was laughing at something else that I, I don't know if uh, how much you put, uh, how much weight you put into astrology, but a lot. Cool. Honestly. Great. Perfect. <laughs> I was talking to um, some friends of mine, a couple and uh, the, the subject of signs came up and they're like, Oh, what are you? And I said, um, I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> and one, one of them like, like whipped their head over to me. And looked at me and said, well, that explains a lot. <laughs> oh. oh. So funny. I I laughed so hard. It was it was one of the best moments I've ever <laughs> had with talking about astrology. Well, that explains a lot. <laughs> it was great. That's awesome. So we're at the um, end of our show. We're yeah. Time to wrap up. Um, uh, I think a really great thought or like kind of like wrap up for this show is that like kind of like you have more control over your self-care than you probably realize than that you have um not in an ableist way but you like something that you can do for yourself is to state the facts about yourself that are true even if you yes. don't know them yeah and sometimes that involves a friend if you have a really good friend that you can that was one of the things that my therapist and i were going to work on and I think I just didn't do it because it was really hard. And I'm going to be totally honest about that. <laughs> but it was that she wanted me to talk to three different people, find three different friends that would say good things about me, and then t to write those down and have those those mm. assessments of my character available. That's a really good both like way to help yourself and mm -hmm. also to determine if the people around you are as like mm -hmm. clean as or like supportive, dependable. I don't know. Yeah, if positive you got good people in your what? life. Yeah, but you do have that control. Yeah. a little bit more control than was initially uh, told us. We we can say those things. Um, and uh, and if you would like to follow us on social media, you can do so at it's our turn pod on Instagram. You can email us. It's our turn pod at gmail dot com. Uh, we would love to hear topic suggestions um personal experiences if you want to share with us anonymous of course yeah um yeah we won't ever like share anything not, not that you send us <laughs> yeah um and uh yeah engage with us and if you want to and we do have a podcast that you can listen to on google apple and spotify and podbean it's our turn queers and cults and yeah i think that's all the yeah those things. uh i don't know if you said it instagram and email mm -hmm. our it's our turn pod yes. at gmail yes um yeah give us a i mean there's not a ton yet but you know this is a this is a young thing we yeah. are quite developing it i and you're gonna hear it you're gonna <laughs> hear and see it you know like but we are like i'm really excited about where we're going because we are yeah. we do we meet weekly we talk about what we can do with with this we can we talk about the subjects we talk about where we can go and i really think we've got some great things and there's going to be some really great things in the future for us yeah so keep we're your gonna... eyes out for a patreon yeah <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to support us yeah <laughs> coming soon if you would like to support us <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs>